Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, Owen Jones here. Welcome to the podcast. Now, today we're talking about Joe Biden and foreign policy, specifically his position over half a century uh, on US militarism, the often brutal wars prosecuted by the United States uh, abroad, uh, military campaigns, CIA covert actions and abuses of power, his views on whistleblowers and leakers. And I'm joined by the absolutely brilliant uh, journalist Jeremy Scarhill from The Intercept, who has been working on this along uh, with his colleague uh, Murtaza Hussein. Uh, it's a project they've worked on together and it needs to be talked about because the issue of US foreign policy, of US imperialism, is one that has massive consequences for all of us. Um, and I think there's something of a myth that the Democrats have a better record when actually many of the wars of the past have been started or escalated by the Democrats. The Vietnam War being quite a striking example of that. And of course, if you take the Iraq War, many... Uh, Democrats actively and enthusiastically backed it, including Joe Biden. Uh, and that's just for starters. So we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, please do uh, support us on Patreon uh, or use the support function to keep the show on the road. Uh, please give us five stars and leave a review if you're able to do so. Do subscribe. And with that, please enjoy the podcast. Today, we're joined by a very, very exceptional journalist, Jamie Scarhill from The Intercept. And this is an extremely important discussion to have about Joe Biden. There's a big ongoing debate about the Biden uh, administration and the political character of the president himself. And one of the elements which has been to a degree missing uh, in some of the discussions is foreign policy. So what we're doing today is we are zoning in on that because Jeremy Scarhill and his colleague, Mirzazar, have done this very, very detailed research project, which is unique in going through over decades the foreign policy positions of Joe Biden. So just tell me quickly about the project. Uh, well, Owen, thanks, first of all, for uh, for having me on and giving us the, the time to discuss this. Uh, you know, when, when Joe Biden became president, he, he was unusual in a number of ways. I mean, first of all, he's the oldest person uh, ever to be sworn into office as president. Back in 1972, when he won his election for the U.S. Senate, uh, he became one of the youngest people ever to serve in the Senate. And, and when, you, when you sort of examine Joe Biden's career, which has overwhelmingly been focused on issues of foreign policy, what you realize is that you, you sort of are taking a tour through the evolution in the post-Vietnam era of the U.S. empire project. And Biden has had a front row seat, not just to history, uh, but to the levers of power, and at times he's been able to control those levers of power, either as an influential sort of imperial senator um, or as vice president and now as president of the United States. So the, the, the sort of starting point for, for this project was to examine, like, what have Joe Biden's positions been on war, on the CIA, 
on issues of whistleblowers and leakers, on civil liberties, uh, and, and to try to understand who is the man that is president and not just you know try to assess what might happen in his presidential term, um, but to reflect on how Biden helped to create the world that he now inherits as president of the United States. So to begin with, I mean, as you you know, one of the youngest senators back in 1973, and this is such a, by the way, such an important project because it really gives insights, not just into Biden, but in terms of the history and significance of recent US foreign policy and the impact on the world. And clearly at the time you had the Vietnam War, which was, which took the lives of up to 300, uh, sorry, up to 3 million Vietnamese people, but also Laos, Cambodia and devastation in Southeast Asia generally. Uh, as well as tens of thousands, of course, of U.S. soldiers. What Tell us about Joe Biden, because obviously that was a war which was escalated by uh, by JFK and then by uh, LBJ uh, in the 1960s. So just just tell me, what was, what was Joe Biden's positioning uh, when he entered the Senate? So as a young politician seeking office, um, Joe Biden was not some like, you know, militant anti-war person. Uh, in fact, Owen, he tells a story that we dug up of, uh, of being a law student at the height of the Vietnam War and walking on campus wearing his sports jacket and, uh, and hanging out with his friends and seeing student activists who were protesting the war in Vietnam. And Joe Biden says that he viewed them as assholes. And he said that, um, you know, I'm not uh, someone who was big on flak jackets or tie-dye, meaning like I didn't want to be in the military, but I also didn't think highly at all of activists. And I thought that they were assholes. And in fact, Joe Biden was of draft age. And like many political figures in the United States, uh, including Mr. Bone Spurs, Donald Trump, Joe Biden got a number of deferments. And it's still kind of unclear how Joe Biden entirely got out of uh, of being drafted to the war in Vietnam. In the end, they sort of said his uh, advisors sort of said, oh, it's you know, it was his asthma that kept him out of the war in Vietnam. But you're not asking about that on a political question. Uh, Joe Biden enters the Senate as the kind of lawless administration of Richard Nixon is starting to deteriorate. Um, there is there are revelations about the CIA operating domestically in the United States. Uh, the Watergate burglary happens that ultimately leads to Nixon's downfall and resignation. Um, you have secret components to the war in Vietnam. And the United States Congress, just as Biden enters it, is starting to grapple with this lawlessness. And so two really important formative episodes take place that that speak a lot to the future of Joe Biden. One is that Biden ends up on a subcommittee of the United States Senate that was tasked with, uh, with examining U.S. war power and who has the right to send Americans into war. Is it the president? Or is it the Congress? According to our Constitution, the Congress has the sole power to declare war. That is not how wars generally uh, start, as you know, um, the United in the United States. Uh, you have the president unilaterally declaring it. So because of how widespread the abuses of power were under Nixon, Congress uh, has enough people getting together to pass a bill called the War Powers Resolution of 1973 that reasserted the rights of Congress and, and uh, codified as law the idea that the president has to consult with Congress and get its approval before launching sustained military action. Nixon vetoes that bill 
that Biden was a co-sponsor of. And then the U.S. Congress overrides that veto and forces it to become law. And it's been on the books ever since. And it's been violated by every president ever since. But Biden was there at the beginning, understood the issues and was a co-sponsor of it. The second aspect of this is that the uh, Senate really starts going to town on the CIA, investigating the CIA on the one hand, and then uh, creating intelligence committees in the Senate and the House of Representatives that are going to have a legal authority to oversee the CIA and be briefed on covert actions. Biden is an original member of the Senate Intelligence Committee. So early on, you see two things happen. Biden uh, gets caught up very quickly on the nature of abuse of power in the United States and the dangers of an executive branch, the White House, uh, becoming too powerful and withholding information or circumventing the authority of Congress. And then uh, on the other hand, you have uh, Joe Biden really for the first time meeting powerful people, getting access to the CIA. And he sort of is enamored of the CIA's power and um, and he starts cutting deals and having relationships with uh, some very notorious uh, spy figures in the United States. So it was a kind of uh, uh, you know a kind of a, a two tone um, response from Biden to the early stages of the post Nixon era. On the one hand, wanting to hold government accountable uh, and on the and have oversight, and on the other hand, starting to tinker around with working with the CIA. And and this becomes very pronounced on issues of whistleblowers and leakers, where Joe Biden both secretly and publicly aids the CIA in its campaign to crush leaking and whistleblowing uh, coming out of Vietnam, particularly people like Philip Agee, the former CIA operative who blew the whistle uh, on covert actions around the world. Um, and then also Daniel Ellsberg, who famously leaked the Pentagon Papers. Joe Biden was a very strong opponent of whistleblowers and leakers and help the CIA in a campaign to try to crush them. If we fast forward to the 1980s, and this was a period in which the US government under Reagan backed uh, right-wing death squads, uh, which uh, were responsible for heinous atrocities committed against those on the left and those alleged to be on the left, uh, as well as- or, or just those who were Catholic. I mean, it, or, or it, indeed. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really. Uh, I mean, what you're describing. I'm sorry, sorry to to, no, to cut you off, uh, but you know this this whole framing, and it's so similar to what happened during the war on terror. It's not identical, but it's similar. Everything was a war against communism, and in reality, you know, to even use that that phrase, uh, which Biden was a big fan of, um, is is intellectually dishonest because what we're really talking about here is populist movements some of which did have communist elements to them, and some of them did work with countries like Cuba or Nicaragua or even the Soviet Union, God forbid. But in general, we weren't talking about communist revolution. We were talking about popular rebellion and uprising against US-backed dictatorships or corporate-dominated you know, murder regimes. And, and so in that landscape, you had a revolution in Nicaragua that brought the Sandinistas to power and it shook the, the 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 sort of souls of those in power in the U.S. because they viewed it as Cuba uh, increasing its um, influence throughout Central and Latin America. And then in El Salvador, you had a coup that happened in 1979 where one military regime replaced another. 
and it sparked a, uh, a horribly bloody civil war. And at the end of Jimmy Carter's presidency in 1979, um, you, you have the United States making a decision that they were going to back this bloody military junta, and they start murdering not only suspected communists, um, but actually going to war against uh, Catholic nuns and priests. And a number of them are, are murdered, assassinated, uh, in several cases by individuals who had been trained or financed by the United States. And so Reagan and Bush come into power in 1980. And, you know, from someone from our politics, uh, uh, Owen, you know, you look at Jimmy Carter, a lot of good things could be said about Jimmy Carter, certainly the most liberal president in modern U.S. history. But, you know, Carter was a was a pretty tenacious anti-communist, and he also has a lot of blood on his hands. Reagan and Bush took it to a whole other level. And, um, and, and I think Biden rightly assessed that Bush and Reagan wanted to undo all of the congressional attempts at imposing oversight or reining in the abuses of the executive branch and the CIA. Um, and uh, Biden is an opponent. He's an opponent of the death squads. He's an opponent of the military regimes rhetorically. Then when he starts to sort of get to know people in the Reagan administration, what you see is Biden start to say, well, maybe we should try to give Reagan the policy he wants. So let me tinker with the policy a little bit. We can give money to the Contra death squads in Nicaragua, um, but I want to have some restrictions on how they can use the money. So the best way I think to describe Joe Biden is that rhetorically, he often uh, was clear and passionate in describing the problem that you have murderous juntas and death squads. But then his prescription for it was always to try to tinker with the empire's policies to make them a little bit, make it a little bit more of a humane support for the death squads instead of just nakedly supporting their mass murder. Israel. Um, I mean, we saw in the 1980s the invasion of Lebanon. We saw the massacres of Sabria and Shitia, for which Ariel Sharon bears personal responsibility and was found to uh, do so. Um, and of course, the, you know, just general expansion of Israeli militarism, the increasing brutality, the occupations. Where was he at on all that? Well, I mean, first of all, for for people that maybe aren't familiar, you know, Joe, Joe Biden um, is the 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 second Catholic to be president of the United States, and um, in the early 1980s, he started referring to himself as uh, uh, as Israel's best Catholic friend. Um, you know, Joe Biden, when the 1982 invasion of Lebanon happens, um, doesn't want to take a position one way or the other publicly. He's he's more focused on how is this going to impact the United States. Uh, you very soon after that invasion of Lebanon have uh, a massive bombing uh, that happens of a military barracks uh, that ends up killing uh, a couple hundred people. Um, many U.S. personnel died in that bombing, and I, you know, Biden was trying to not wade into the debate about whether Israel was right or wrong to invade Lebanon. But then privately, there's a story that we that that we we unearthed where Menachem Begin, the Israeli prime minister, comes to Washington, D.C., and he's in a private meeting with some senators. And many senators, according to uh, the Israeli media reports on this that we found, um, were, were sort of taking Begin to task for the Israeli killing of civilians in the invasion of, of Lebanon. And Begin describes this young senator who gets up and gives this impassioned defense of Israel's tactics in the invasion of Lebanon. 
and implies that uh, it's acceptable to kill women and children and civilians uh, in the invasion of Lebanon because it's it's to defend Israel. And that young senator that Begin is describing was none other than Joe Biden. And, and what's remarkable is if you know Menachem Begin's history and you understand that he himself was a part of, of uh, a death squad uh, activity earlier in his career, uh, soon after the founding of the state of Israel, for Menachem Begin to say that Joe Biden was too extreme, even for him, says something about uh, the extent of, of Joe Biden's kind of insanity on the question of civilian deaths in the war in, in Lebanon. And then Biden says uh, to Begin at some point down the line, I intentionally didn't uh, speak out uh, in opposition to what was happening in Lebanon publicly because uh, I'm such a close friend of Israel. And Joe, Joe Biden has been one of the most passionate supporters of Israel under all of its governments, uh, basically since the early 1980s to the present. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So if we move forward, uh, I mean, we see obviously uh, we've got the the bombings in Libya, uh, we the attempt to assassinate Gaddafi, uh, and then mo- moving on to the Gulf War of the early nineteen nineties. This is a fascinating story. The the, the Gulf War thing because this this really th- I think this really is the start of. Uh, the Joe Biden that we've seen now for the you know the past couple decades, and the and the one that became vice president and president. Uh, so, nineteen ninety, the United States it becomes clear that that George H W Bush is going to go to war against Iraq uh, following the invasion of Saddam Hussein's forces of Kuwait, um, and uh, Joe Biden starts raising holy hell in the United States Senate uh, about the War Powers Resolution that Biden helped pass in 1973. And uh, the position of George H.W. Bush, a former director of the CIA, uh, was that the War Powers Act is unconstitutional, that the president has the right to make war to defend the national security of the United States, that Congress's only function should be to finance the national security policies the president calls for, and that people like Biden are off their rockers thinking that they can control American war making. Biden, to his credit, has 
Bush's number. And he says that Biden, that Bush is acting like a monarchist and is essentially trying to usurp the powers of the people in a democracy. And Biden sticks to his you know, guns and opposes the 1991 Gulf War. Well, <laughs> after the, the, that, you know, it was largely an air war. A tremendous number of Iraqis were killed. The civilian infrastructure of Iraq was bombed back to the Stone Ages. Um, but it was a popular war in the United States, in mainstream society, because it, it, it gave a sense of this resurrection of the American uh, identity after the defeat uh, and withdrawal from Vietnam. And there were military parades and, you know, it was it was considered a popular war at the time. And so Biden realizes he's made a political mistake. And almost overnight, Owen, you see Joe Biden transform from being this tenacious critic of monarchist drives to war by George H.W. Bush uh, to becoming one of the most serious hawkish politicians in the United States on Iraq policy and many other wars. In fact, I, I, Joe Biden has almost never met an American war he didn't support. Which brings up to the, the, the so-called war on terror, the Iraq war. And I mean, was his position there, would you just say, as gung-ho as it was possible for a Democrat to be? Um, the short answer is yes. Uh, and, and certainly uh, Biden did uh, promote the lies about weapons of mass destruction, not, not just like promote Bush and Cheney lying. Biden independently as the powerful chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee at the time, which was supposed to be the forum for debating whether we should even go to war. Biden frequently uh, made allegations about Saddam possessing weapons of mass destruction that were totally false. Um, he set the parameters for the debate between should we bomb them to hell or should we occupy Iraq? It wasn't really should we be going into the country and, and destroying it and do we have uh, the right to be overthrowing other people's uh, you know, leadership in their, in their countries. Biden was a, a very hawkish figure who, very similar to his work, his position on Vietnam, and then with the death squads and dictatorships in the 1980s, he was interested in tinkering with uh, the kind of Bush approach to overthrowing the Iraqi regime. But he wasn't uh, asking any moral questions or sweeping questions about whether it was right or wrong. And what happens is sort of, you know, in a dark way, kind of funny, Joe Biden supports this war, helps win support of other Democrats for Bush's war. And 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 then uh, within years, within a couple of years, he's saying that he was against the war from the moment it started, which which like it's like, what, what does he even talk? What does that mean to be against the war from almost the moment it started? You weren't just like some you know passerby watching this happen. You you were the guy who was supposed to be facilitating the debate on whether we should even go to war. Um, and you know jo Joe Biden then comes up with this cockamamie plan in in two thousand five two thousand six. Oh, what we really should do is partition Iraq and break it up along ethnic lines into separate mini states. And you know, of course, in the Arab world, uh, you know he was ridiculed for that, and it had you know no uh, no legs whatsoever. Uh, in U.S. political circles. But what you start to see is sort of Joe Biden embracing this role as a kind of imperial statesman who is always going to defend the United States and never apologize for America, but also a guy who clearly takes malleable positions or positions that can be malleable if they're retrofitted later, where he can say that he both supported the war and he was against the war 
while at the same time, um, you know, being motivated by this notion that uh, civilian deaths don't really matter. Um, the deaths of U.S. troops, potentially, that matters a lot to Joe Biden. But really what he's about is what is in our strategic interest as an empire? Um, and does this affect our reputation in a way that is unacceptable to me? That's often what guides Joe Biden on the positions he stakes out on war. So in terms of how all of this is likely to guide the Biden administration's approach, uh, I mean, they've already dropped bombs. Uh, in the traditional well-trodden ground of a U.S. president of both colors. I mean, what 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 do you think is going to happen? I mean, interestingly, earlier today, I interviewed uh, Hanan uh, Ashrari, who's a senior Palestinian uh, politician, about whether she was hopeful of uh, any shift. And obviously, she, she pointed out the continuity which exists under successive U.S. administrations uh, when it comes to Palestine. But what do we think? I mean, we've had the bombings, of course, in Syria, what do you think is likely to be the shape of U.S. foreign policy in in the months and years ahead? And do you think the pandemic and the the crisis that you know the, the massive drain on U.S. resources will will divert them away from many of those foreign expeditions, or quite or, or not? You know, I mean, one one thing that I can say is is that in general, this is not you know true of every single conflict, but in general, Joe Biden is not a major fan of large-scale American troop deployments. Um, Biden tends to be a kind of nationalistic figure, and he is, you know, he had a son who was deployed to Iraq in 2008, uh, his, his late son, uh, Bo. And when you read Biden's speeches about American war, he does seem to be genuinely concerned about the question of, is it worth losing the life of U.S. soldiers? And he's had a son deployed in a very dangerous war zone at, at one point. Um, on the other hand, Biden uh, really seems to be a, a major fan of using the CIA and special operations forces to conduct what he believes are sort of more surgical operations. You know, just today there was uh, an announcement that the U.S. Navy SEALs, some of the most elite forces in, in the U.S. arsenal, are reorient reorienting their mission from a counterterrorism uh, operation to more of a global strike force that can respond to maritime threats. I hear that kind of uh, planning, and I think that Biden has his sights set on ratcheting up tensions with China. I I'm not saying Biden's going to go to war with China militarily. But I think that Biden has been around long enough that he understands that part of his job is to prepare for the wars of the future. And on the flip side of it, with Afghanistan, Biden essentially is getting the war fought the way he wanted it back in 2009 when he was vice president. He was not in favor of a big troop deployment to Afghanistan. He wanted to assassinate people that the president determines are enemies. And, and so, you know, in a big sense, it, it calls into question why the United States and its allies have been in Afghanistan since 2009, if Joe Biden was right to begin with, that the United States should you know, not engage in large-scale troop deployments. But the wild card in all of this, Owen, and why I think it's really impossible to answer your question, is that Joe Biden is very old. Um, he is not the Joe Biden he was in the 90s. But also the political circumstances in the United States are radically different. You have uh, a groundswell of social movement uh, activism in this country. Um, you have a lot of progressives putting a lot of pressure on Joe Biden. You have the pandemic. You have countries around the world suffering. 
you have uh, a, a nation that is still traumatized from four years of Donald Trump. And I think that the, the question before us is, which Joe Biden is going to emerge as commander in chief, you know, that part of his role over the next four years? And how, to what extent is he going to be deferring to not only other officials in his administration, but also the social movements? Biden did, would not have won this election if a shit ton of people in this country did not hold their nose and vote for him. And if Biden wants to have two presidential terms, he needs to be very sensitive to the fact that uh, a lot of activists um, set aside their concerns and qualms about him specifically to ensure that Trump would no longer be president. So I think all of those wild cards plus Joe Biden's history indicate that we are going to have a, um, you know, typical American belligerence going forward. How belligerent it's going to be, I, I think, is is the wild card. What will be really interesting is if there is a uh, a new war, you know, some conflict that erupts into Biden's people posturing and saying we may have to go to war. Is the Joe Biden who believes that congressional authority is necessary to go to war going to show up? Or are we going to see a Joe Biden that makes excuses for the executive branch and says, no, I determine what's in our national interest? I suppose my final question on that, very much linked to what you just said there is, I mean, I remember this once about nearly 10 years ago, I woke up and I had uh, various people from Alabama denouncing me as a disgraceful communist. I was slightly bewildered about what exactly had happened. And it turns out Fox News had Where's done Where's the a... lie, Owen? Where's the lie? Where is the lie? I tell you. Exactly. Those Alabamans were very, very, very um, perceptive. Yeah. I mean, a Fox News segment uh, calling me a... Um, uh, a jerk, fine, and a braying jackal. Jackals don't bray, I googled that one. Um, and, and it was because I'd written this piece about Obama and the drone war and uh, about the fact that whoever was president, there was continuity um, and the problem was the nature of US power. But the problem was that when Democrats are in power, the sorts of things which if a Republican was in power, people would be far more likely to be angry about or even take to the streets about. People became blind. So when you got a massive escalation of the drone war uh, under Barack Obama, who once quite disgracefully joked about using yeah. drones on the Jonas Brothers if they went near his daughters. Very hilarious, given he's a man who incinerated Pakistani children with his drones. Um, you know, people- uh, And like, also an American American teenager, uh, a 16-year-old American teenager, uh, Abdul Rahman Awlaki, was also killed in a drone strike, and Obama never explained why they killed that American citizen. No one had ever accused him of any act of terrorism. And of course, people swooned over Obama. He was the West Wing made flesh. He's a great, you know, this great liberal president. And of course, the first African-American president. But all of that met allowed it, people let him off the hook. Is the same thing going to happen with Biden? And are you confident, and there's a debate on the US left yeah. about this, that the social movements that do exist, and there is a left that's stronger than it was, can successfully exert pressure on him, not just on domestic issues, but on foreign policy issues? I mean, you know, for, for, first of all, uh, let, let's remember, too, in the 90s that both Tony Blair and, and Bill Clinton were part of the, you know, this emerging movement of, uh, of the powerful of what Noam Chomsky said, you know, called the new military humanism, where they, they, they sort of figured out this way to imply that they had, you know, humanitarian cruise missiles that were, you know, going to be flying all over the Balkans and, and, and Iraq and elsewhere. Um, and, and certainly with Obama, uh, you had this uh, this sort of lulling of of the left into a kind of sleep 
um, uh, certainly for the first several years of the Obama administration. And with Joe Biden, it's the same sort of thing. I mean, I think if you start to criticize Joe Biden, people say, well, what do you want, Donald Trump? Well, no, I don't want Donald Trump, but that's that's such a, a you know an intellectually dishonest framing for this. We we want a country where we're not imperial. We want a country where we're not waging war all over the world. We want a country where you don't think the solution to our economic troubles is a one thousand four hundred dollar check that was actually supposed to be a two thousand dollar check. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that there is a real toxic uh, center in the United States. You know, some of the most militant toxic people in this country claim to be centrists. And what they really are is people that believe that you should shut your mouth when Democrats are in power. And how dare you criticize Grandpa Joe Biden? Well, I'm sorry, Joe Biden was one of the most important figures in creating the world as it exists today with so many of its problems. This is not a guy who just came out of the nursing home to be president you know, because we needed a comforting grandpa. This is a guy who created the world that he inherited. You know, I mean, it's so uh, do I have faith that social movements are going to be able to hold Biden, you know, to the fire? I have confidence that they're going to try. And I think we will have some victories. But empire is going to empire. And Joe Mm -hmm. Biden is an empire politician. And I think we need to be realistic about who he is. Um, He's not a savior. Is he going to do less damage than Donald Trump? Uh, certainly on, on a number of levels, he will. But also what we saw under Obama is that he was able to push uh, drone strikes, wars, sanctions that may not have been uh, in play under Republicans because people would have been up in arms about it. So I think some of the most dangerous aspects, and you were getting at this, Owen, to Democrats being in power, and to an extent, I think that's true when labor is in power in the UK, though there are different dynamics, Um I, I think that people tend to go to sleep and kind of check their conscience at the door. And then the Democrats are able to facilitate an expansion of bad policies that may have been challenged more passionately if they were being implemented by a Donald Trump or a George W. Bush. Jeremy, thank you so much. I mean, everyone must read this project and and the Empire politician, just look it up. There's also a brilliant uh, video which sets it out. It's a huge amount of effort, hugely detailed research by one of the our leading investigative journalists. So that's not surprising, but it's still an absolutely critical piece of work and a brilliant contribution. And Jeremy, it's a big, big honour to have you uh, both, uh, whether people are, are watching or listening to this. Uh, so thank you so much for being so lucid as ever uh, yeah. and setting out in detail uh, 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 the, the real Joe Biden that people need to be aware of. Let, let let me know when you uh, when you come back to the U.S. We can we can tour Alabama together. It actually has a really great left wing tradition in Alabama. Um, the the great black historian Robin D G Kelly has a fantastic book uh, about communist organizing in Alabama. Um, so we we can go see the real Alabama. And I should know in before I get any complaints from justified complaints from Alabama. I wasn't caricaturing Alabama. I was just surprised. <laughs> By why? Oh no! You also you also have some really horrible racist uh, traditions in I've Alabama. Met, yeah, but I've, I've, you know. tweeted me, uh, yeah, right. but nonetheless, the great right, thank you, tradition of Alabama. But thank you so so much, Jamie. It was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, do support us on patreon.com forward slash owenjones84. Help us decide who we talk to, what we talk about, the documentaries we do, uh, and also on the supporter function, uh, which you can see in the description. And leave us five stars and a review. It just helps other people listen. Uh, and with that, thank you so much. Speak soon. <laughs>
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.